0: Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn, joined by Ryan Donnelly. Uh, we got a bonus Q&A episode here because we were going to do this in the regular run of the show, but we talked for too long about the regular run of the show. So uh, you're getting an extra one this week. We've got all sorts of questions. I'm going to say, you know what, The we, we, we've, we've ragged on our listeners before. We have... We've come down hard on the people who, you know, listened to this show before, but they came yeah, through this week. The people week. who support us. Yeah, the yeah. people who support us. They came Our through friends. this week with some, with some actual questions about football, which is... Uh much appreciated. Thank you all for for taking it seriously and sending us an actual questions. It makes it a lot easier for us to do an entertaining podcast when we are the ones making the jokes. <laughs> it's it's uh it's it's a little bit of an easier setup. So we appreciate the questions. A lot of really good ones this week. Um we're going to jump right yeah. into these. Re-
1: wait, no, no we're not. Really quick. We're going to get into a request at the top. If you're listening to this, yeah. Leave a fucking five-star review. Yeah. Pause the show right now. If you're driving a car, text while you're driving. Yeah. Pull over to the uh, side of the road or don't. Driving a car, get, get a beer. Okay. <laughs> Have for the half one for the road.
0: <laughs> I gotta tell you about real quick. I uh, last week we drove up about thirty minutes to uh, Idaho because the beer is like ten dollars cheaper there, which is I, I think a tone setter move. Okay. Um, turn up and then the entire what kind of
1: what kind of beer are you buying
0: um I just went with the uh the classic bud light because I don't like the ipas they uh taste bad so I just went with the, mm-hmm. went with the bud light and then had like you know a a, a, a large number of them i'll say um, you gotta have a large
1: number of bud lights that's the thing you gotta do
0: yeah you can't just have one or two of those bad boys you gotta yeah, you, you, you got to be able to have a number that you could make a pyramid out of. Um, so that's uh, if you're listening, le- leave a five star review and then drive to the state over and buy some Bud Light. Uh, that's yes. our request here at the top of the show. Or just- but seriously,
1: stop whatever you're doing right now. You think we're talking to the people? We're talking to you. No, we're talking to the guy listening to this who's not serving his country by reviewing and flipping the field.
0: Yeah. Unless you are, yeah. Unless you, I guess you are doing that. If you are already leaving a five star review, we're not talking about you. But if you are, you not, have
1: free college from the government if you did that.
0: Yeah, but if you are not doing that, you are not driving around the Dodge Charger, right? You need to stop your <laughs> your regular fucking non Dodge Charger car, and you need to leave a five star review. And then next thing you know, you are going to wake up outside on your porch with the big bow on it, like the car commercials, Dodge Charger just like that Mm -hmm. and then also a 19 year old wife that's what all guys who are in the military get is a Dodge Charger and a 19 year
1: old wife and guess what you think you think you're gonna be the Jody you think you're gonna be Jody fucking someone else's military wife if you don't leave the review you're gonna get the wife anyway no Charger I'm your Jody yeah I'm having sex with your college wife yeah
0: (laughs) <laughs> All right, it's uh, it's it's worrisome, but we you know we commit here. We we uh, like we we said on the last episode. It's, it's
1: the program. Yeah, we, we are committed to the program. She's driving to stay over. She's driving me to stay over to go pick up beer. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna drink it together. And yeah, I'm telling her just... you know
0: oh I forgot my fuel points card. I'm gonna need you to drive. I can't. <laughs> I forgot my ID at home. You, you got this one, right? It's on the house. I, I'm
1: collecting all of the Seinfeld bits on gas prices from his entire career. Yeah. And I'm doing all of them to her back to back to back the entire drive. Yeah. I'm stealing. It's, it works. I'm stealing all of the USAA cards out of your house. Those are mine now.
0: I don't even want them. <laughs> <laughs> all and right. That's, Patrick. That's what, happens, that's what happens if you don't leave a five-star review. So leave a five-star review. Uh, all yeah. right. First question. Go ahead.
1: Patrick, what are your favorite uniforms of college football of all time? And also what are your favorite aesthetic eras of college football?
0: Yeah. So this is from a boy, uh, either Stefan or Steven. Um, my, my, it could be either one. Um, my, my answer is probably the early eighties Southwest conference for, for sort of era with the breakaway mesh uniforms. Um, the, the the SMU uniforms stand out to me, the Oklahoma ones stand out to me. Um, You know, Texas, Arkansas, just a a very, very good era for football and also for uniforms. Um, And then my favorite uniforms of all time, man, I thought about this one. I was going to say UCLA in the mid 80s before they put the drop shadow on the numbers. But honestly, I think it's probably modern, modern LSU. Those LSU uniforms are just so nice. I just, I really like LSU, LSU's uniforms.
1: Uh, I'm just not really a uniforms guy. Yeah. Yeah. that's that's pretty much all I've got. <laughs> not really not really just a uniform. I don't know. Like I don't really think about uniforms that way. Um Yeah. Do you have
0: a like a, is there like an Ohio State uniform that stands out to you?
1: The 2014 championship ones were nice. Yeah, I like those. Uh, the uh, the gray stripes. The Eddie George fit was cool, of course. Yeah. everyone knows Eddie George looked cool. Yeah. But um no, like I, I don't know. I think basketball uniforms have distinct airspeed, but college football ones are like yeah, they're they're all cool.
0: Yeah, we're in a we're in a good era right now for college football uniforms because they're all just doing throwbacks. That's like the only part of uh, remake culture that is good is that sports uniforms look good again after the early 2010s where everything just looked fucking horrible. It was like you know. Yeah, but it, some
1: of those are coming back.
0: Yeah, which is unfortunate. We need to make sure that that doesn't happen because it's <laughs> we need to stop like the we need to cut the jazz off at the base. We need to not let that grow because that is that's awful. Really, really bad shit. Um. But uh, we we've been in a nice era where we get a bunch of throwbacks. But like we need to stay away from like 2013, where Adidas is just going fucking nuts and they're putting camo on everything. That's bad. Um, next up, we got uh, this one's from Winston. Hey fellas, I have a question for the pod. As flipping the field is the official podcast of uh, Ryan, how do you say this word? Is it Appalachia or Appalachia? Appalachia. Appalachia. Uh, it's the official podcast of Appalachia. I want to know if all the Appalachian region was realigned into one football team what the starting roster and coaching staff look like how would the flipping the field Appalachian all-star team do against the rest of college football so for the sake of this I included and there might be some qualms with this but I included Penn State Pitt West Virginia Marshall Ohio Appalachian State Tennessee and Virginia Tech I think there's a case to be made for Kentucky or Western Kentucky as this is their their one for Virginia Tech and a couple of the Virginia teams I guess Virginia Tech is on here but Virginia Wake Forest I think there's a case i uh, I didn't see it. So. I would not
1: make a case for Virginia or Wake Forest. Penn State is an edge case to me. Yeah, uh, I would count them because like Pennsylvania Coal Country is functionally Appalachian, mm-hmm. um, and I think that basically counts. Yeah, uh, I would not include Western Kentucky. I think it's Appalachian in spirit, but not in practice.
0: Okay, what about Kentucky?
1: Mm, no, no, Lexington's okay. not really Appalachian. Like, you go i don't know there are some areas like eh, i i'd probably say no like southern and eastern kentucky get really appalachian really fast but yeah. lexington proper are just like have you ever been it's just like it's like a strip mall city it's like columbus yeah, it's, it's like it's uh, kind of just like indiana
0: it's it's a lot of a lot of kentucky and indiana are basically just the same and that's not that's not appalachia um
1: yeah it's not enough it's just the same as every other like fast-growing millennial city
0: yeah yeah it's just like wow they have a uh they have a best buy in a target in one of those horrible parking lots <laughs> That's yeah pretty much what well, they, they, they have a touch. nice chilies yeah they got the they got the great chilies um the other one i saw i was i was comparing a map of actual Appalachia to like a college football map. um, I saw that there are some that include like down into Georgia and into the Carolinas uh, beyond like app state. I'm not going to do that either. Um, So the teams that we're going to work with are the the ones that. Well, yeah.
1: yeah. Northern Georgia is technically Appalachian, but like there's no college football team in that area.
0: Yeah. I'm not like, yeah, the, the, you know, Georgia Tech or Georgia are not getting included in this. And so it's not really a distinction worth making. So, um my I, I went through and did these uh did these picks. Um I think that this this team we'll talk about a little bit quality at the end, but I think this team would be good, too, very good. Um I've got Hendon Hooker at quarterback from Tennessee. Uh dog. Re- dog.
1: what's that? I say he's a dog. He's yeah, a dog. dog.
0: Um running back is Rasheen Ali from Marshall. Uh wide receivers I got Cedric Tillman from Tennessee uh Mitchell Tinsley and Parker Washington from Penn State honestly not a lot of pass catching talent in this area after the departure of Jordan Allison or um Addison that hurt that hurt the team a lot um I was struggling I was I did not want to pull in Parker Washington but here we are um tight end speaking of is Brenton Strange uh who sucks (laughs) so I didn't feel great about that one but none of these guys have any good tight ends um I went with the offensive line for Tennessee. Uh, I think that's just the best of the bunch. I'm certainly not picking Penn state. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Pitt, West Virginia, Marshall or Ohio. And then app state loses a bunch of guys. So, um, Going with Tennessees for that defensive ends. I got Nick Hampton from App State and um, Haba Baldonado from Pitt. Uh, defensive tackles. I have Dante Stills, from very the... good
1: player by the way. He's 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 a very very good. Player. It was hard to not uh, just I think...
0: it was hard to not just pick Pitt, Pitt's uh, defensive line <laughs> for this because that's, yeah that's
1: good. yeah I mean like they might have fucking four four day one and two draft picks in that team. Yeah,
0: Baldonado is line. excellent. Um, my defensive tackles are Dante Stills and then another Pitt guy I really like. Um, is it Kalija Cansey? Yes. Uh he is also uh excellent. He's very good. I yes. think that the I think the defensive line is probably my favorite part of this team. This is a, a tremendous defensive line. Um I, I've
1: been screaming the praise of Charlie Partridge for years. Yeah, uh, he's, he's good. He <laughs> is legitimately one of the uh three or four best defensive line coaches in all of college football. If not, I mean he might be number one.
0: Man, it's it's crazy the amount of um like defensive line coaching talent that has been in the sort of Midwest big 10 footprint over the last 10 years or so, uh, with, with Larry Johnson and then, and then with like, you know, Pitt's not in the big 10, but the the Midwest
1: footprint with, uh, with Partridge and, um, Also this question directly refers free city it's the Midwest too. <laughs> What's that? This question also directly refutes the idea that it's in the Midwest as well. Sure.
0: Sure. Um, I'm counting it all the same because you have Larry Johnson, you have Partridge, you have even, I mean, Mike Vrabel was a really good defensive line coach. He just wasn't there for very long. Um, Sure. uh, Linebackers, I have Jeremy Banks from Tennessee and Eli Neal from Marshall. I'm stretching the definition of what linebackers are a little bit here um, as we will get to in the, uh, in the safety section, because there weren't a whole lot of safeties. I was really excited about here. So I took kind of a linebacker and moved him to safety. Um, he's 210 tons. It'll be fine. I'll get, I'll get to it. Uh, cornerbacks are Steven Jones from App State and Charles Woods from West Virginia. Steven Jones, very, very fucking good. Maybe a top five cornerback in college football. He's excellent. Uh, safeties. This is the one I was talking about. Um, is it Cervosier, Dennis? I got to be honest, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say Servassier Dem- Dennis from Pitt. He's technically a linebacker, but like I said, he's like 6'1, 215. That's a safety. Um, Eric Hallett from Pitt, and then uh, Chamari Connor from Virginia Tech because I wanted to get a, Virgin- a Virginia Tech player in the mix. Um, my coaching. I, sp- I
1: honestly would consider just starting Joey Porter Jr. as safety instead of playing him a corner.
0: Yeah. Also fair. He, uh, yeah, he, he was one for sure who was sort of right on the edge. Um, I guess you could put one of those guys, put Woods in the slot, and then go Porter and Jones on the outside with uh, Dennis and Hollett at safety. I think that'd be really good too. Um, my coaching staff, this was honestly kind of hard because there's not a head coach here that I really like, um, but I went with James Franklin as my head coach and then Alex Golesh as offensive coordinator and Randy Bates as the uh, the defensive coordinator.
1: Yeah, I guess the question is what you're trying to get out of the program. Uh, if you're, it's like if it's a program thing or if it's a one game thing, season thing. I don't know what the what the uh, yeah. My my what, think, the, what the qualifications are. My
0: thinking was that Franklin, as funny as this sounds, with how many times he has he has fucked up, but I think of the head coaches here, he is the one who would be least in the way of those coordinators, um, and that's really what I want more than anything is just somebody who's not going to fuck around with the coordinators, um, which like yeah, Narduzzi would, Hyple uh, would. Charles Huff, I don't think we know enough about. Um you know, Tim Albin sucks. Uh Sean Clark I don't think we know enough about. We don't know anything about Brent Price. So I, I James Franklin is the most neutral. He is the he's the net zero of the head coaches here, and that's pretty much the best thing I could say
1: for him. Yeah, this team's winning eleven games though.
0: Yeah, I I think they'd be very good. I think that they would win most conferences. I don't know if they would beat the top of the top for, for the sport. Like, I don't know if this is, I don't think this has beaten Ohio state or Alabama or, you know, teams near the top, but I think it's a playoff contender for sure. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, this it's team will will win the, the
1: ACC, I think going away.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. Next up here from Daniel. Um, <clears throat> I have a question slash topic that applies to where I currently go to school, but can apply to any other power five programs that aren't reaching their full potential. Am I a jackass slash dumbass? If I maybe see some upside in having a bad season, so that Mike Norvell, he, he goes to Florida State, I'm assuming, so that Mike Norvell can get fired and maybe Florida State can capitalize on the coaching talent at the G5 level. Coaches like Bill Clark, who uh, probably not going to be available for this from what we've gathered. It looks like Bill Clark has, uh, has retired medically, um, which we didn't mention on the last show, but uh, legend, fucking awesome coach, one of the best in college football. Um, hope that he's doing okay. Um, hope that UAB can stay on track. It's a... Uh, a bummer that we are losing him but uh shout out to Bill Clark regardless um Bill Clark, Jamie Chadwell, Sean Clark, um or any others I'm leaving out really appealing to have at our program. Am I being impatient or too much of a Debbie downer on Norvell? Is the grass really greener on the other side? If Norvell sticks around is D on the next coach. Uh, I see Florida State so win, winning 7 and 9 as long as uh is this Jordan Travis I'm assuming develops his arm. Um thank you for the answers my therapist can't give me. So First of all, I do, I don't see seven and nine on this schedule. I just I'm not super confident in in anything that Florida State has going on right now. Um, I guess it's not impossible if he gets to seven or nine, he's not going to get fired. Um, yeah. But I he's not going to do that. Yeah. Also. I I we we sort of alluded to this on the first of the <clears throat> the fire that coach episodes, but I think this is totally fair to kind of hope that he gets fired so that you can get a better coach I don't think he was ever a very good fit and I, I think it's you know we're, we're all for sort of uh, either overtly or, or at least kind of tacitly rooting for your school's coach to fail so that you can get a better coach in um, I, I think that's a totally fair instinct I, I especially at a school like Florida State right like it's not like you're it's not like you're Stanford coming down off the end of, a, of of a really strong era that you maybe don't want to see end even if it is time, right? Florida State has a lot of money and should be a lot better than it is. And I, I think that uh, I think it's totally fair to see the writing on the wall with Norvell look around and see personally, I wouldn't hire from the G5. At Florida State I would hire Dion but um, yeah just go
1: get Dion yeah get it's to, really easy I think, I think it's just such an easy answer just go get Dion
0: yeah but I, I think that's totally fair to uh to root against him I don't think he's a good fit I I, I would I would encourage it even I think that uh, uh the longer he's there the worse it is for them
1: I'm of two minds here um I support uh rooting against hmm, let me think here I support rooting against a team that's like clearly kind of hopeless. Like if a team, if you're a fan of Florida State and you've already lost three or four games or whatever, start rooting against the team to 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 win just so you can get your coach fired. If that's a border case, yeah. But like, if you're in my shoes where you hate Ryan Day, but you ultimately, I don't think he's going to like cost the program its standing like near the top of college football. then I think it's irresponsible for him to lose to get rid of him. Um, it's a question of margin. I,
0: it's, it's a margin question with him more than it is an existential one.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas I think you were clearly faced an existential question with Norvell and the programmer at large. Yeah. And I think it's not even Norvell's that particularly bad. I think he like might be a fine coach. But the answer is Florida State needs like a clear face and exciting voice to have a path forward. Yeah. Uh, they've basically had nothing but bad news since like the Jameis off-the-field stuff after the championship. Like when, when was it during the championship? It was right after, I think, right? Like yeah, when everything the, started going that, south with his.
0: Yeah, that 2014 section. season was a, was a disaster because he came back, yeah, he had the suspension stuff, and then there was the off season. Yeah.
1: Yeah, had his sexual assault situation and, and yeah. all the other stuff. And it's that. And then, like, basically every part of that team has been bad since, except for like what a couple years of Cam Akers and Delvin Cook. Like, that's the only yeah. thing that's been worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, and even those and, those,
0: were, those teams were still largely bad
1: yeah those teams sucked but at least they had a couple good players before. but like yeah um, yeah I don't know I, I, I think basically he's going to get fired you should hire Dion because Dion brings excitement to this fan base and like a clear commitment to what happens next uh, and not any kind of like there, there's no uh, there, there's no questions that, like, like Dion will at least make this team exciting bare minimum
0: yeah I, I think that this is and maybe it it would be worth defining this at some point and and expanding this. But I think of Florida State as being a character job. This is a job where you cannot have. I don't think you're ever going to be able to scheme your way into success at Florida State. I just don't think it's that kind of job. This is not a football coach's job. This is a character's job. This is a, you know, you you have to have that that voice of the program, that clear direction, like you said, and it, it has to be somebody who is a, they have to be a fucking star. You have to have a star running this program. And, <clears throat> you know, it, it collapsed near the end because he got lazy, but Jimbo does have that kind of personality. Bobby Bowden certainly had that kind of personality. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think that I would caution against hiring from a, from the G5 level here. As much as I love these coaches, and I think these are very good coaches who would succeed in a lot of places, this is not a job for Norvell's, just like it's not a job for somebody like Sean Clark or, or – you know, Bill Clark, or even Jamie Chadwell. I think Jamie Chadwell is a character, but I don't know that he's the kind of character that you'd want for this sort of job. You you need to have a really big, really sure of himself personality here. And I don't think that even, I don't think that it's a prerequisite that they're especially good as being a, at being a football coach. I think that they just have to be able to take the heat off of everybody else and, and offer a you know a strong vision for what they want the program to be in a way that draws attention in and and makes it interesting makes people want to look at it that's the 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 best that these programs Florida State is one I think Miami is one I think Texas is one um USC the best that you see from these programs are when they have these superstar you know ego coaches right these guys who can be celebrities in their own right and and more so that than they are football coaches I think Dion's perfect for it I, I think that that's just that's the kind of coach that you need to win at a high level at these kind of schools for whatever reason
1: yeah no I couldn't agree with you more um, and I think basically like unless you're a coach taking over a program that already had that force of nature and is kind of just sustaining it yeah. you need to be that size personality that can achieve this and, and that's what Dion is uh, clearly Florida State needs momentum Dion has it <laughs> Um, it's time. Just uh, he's he's fucking rang the bell on you guys last last signing day. Yeah, it's time to get this done and over with. Yeah. The, um, the only our, our next question is from. Oh, go, ahead, go so ahead.
0: Just the the only other guy who I think would really fit the billing right now that's available, um, that's not Dion. Which you should just hire Dion. But, um, Urban would also win here. It wouldn't last forever, but Urban would. He's that kind of.
1: He's I think Urban's done. I don't know. I don't I, think even I, Urban is bringing back excitement anymore because the players know he's a prick and like a weirdo <laughs> and a loser. I think Urban's totally lost all the mystique. Like the, I, the I, I'm curious he,
0: because I thought that going into
1: Ohio State too, and yet still i don't know but urban had like it hadn't been public video like this we didn't see him on camera fingering someone's butthole like (laughs) it's so much different to be like oh urban meyer lied about why he retired and was like being dishonest about his health problems which like yeah okay whatever but like now you have that and also he was lying to grown men's faces about finger girls butthole name. There were reports that he they were laughing at him when he walked out of the room. Like <laughs> no one cares about Meyer anymore. Yeah, he is done. That might be fair. Yeah, just hire Dion. I I I
0: think Dion is is the the exact coach for the moment at Florida State. I don't think anybody else is going to do it in the way that he would.
1: Yeah. Um All right. Our next question is from our good buddy, Drix. Um, he asks us, Hey fellows, my question is this, what is the least annoying FBS college football program? Um, I said one of the New Mexico schools here. I just don't really like to think about them ever. Yeah. They don't annoy me because they're not in my brain. Yeah. Um, The, uh,
0: the New Mexico state bowl run in 2017 was, was uniquely fun. And I, I really enjoyed that. I think they're definitely up there. Um, Drix mentions UTEP. I think that's, that's for sure fair as well. Um, UTSA as a program itself is not annoying the way that people talk about it is, but that's by virtue of, you know, more people who see something being good, the the more annoying that people are going to be about it. Um, my answer is probably UAB just given it's, it's, you know, background and circumstances and and the way that it carries itself. I just really like that program. I, I, it's, very very no frills just football guy zone and i, I don't think that there's anything really annoying about that i i uab would definitely be up there for me
1: yeah yeah good answer um all right what college football media thing slash trend annoys you the most think like pac-12 after dark or i love big 10 west games post 6-3 final score for my buddy michael yeah um, um
0: <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> there are a lot of there are a lot of things. Um the uh the last episode would indicate jedfish Jed Fush Jed Fish talk, but um Jed Fush. Jed Fush. Um <laughs> it's kinda of like Jeb Bush. I I sort of combined the two. Um but uh for me I, I think it's probably people who sort of pretend to care about the entire sport, right? Who who pretend to be into the G five teams, into the lower level and, and then in turn only ever talk about those schools in the context of their coaches jumping to larger jobs. Um, there's a certain podcast, I think that you guys could certainly assume I'm, I'm referencing here that didn't used to be like this. And then now it is after <laughs> some changes in personnel. Um, mm. that just, uh, it, it makes me mad. It's, it's a, uh, it's a very, it, it's disingenuous. It's very disrespectful to me. It's just like, just don't talk about them. It's fine. It's fine that you don't know who the quarterback is at New Mexico State. I don't expect you to. Just don't talk about them. It's, it's super easy to just you know not talk about San Diego State if you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, and um, a lot of people do. I often don't, fath- right? Me. Like, yeah. I, like
1: to be honest, I like. I know the top of the G5 conference pretty well. I feel like At the bottom of them, I admit, I don't know nearly as well as Patrick does. Yeah. And I just let Patrick, that's why Patrick writes the G5 previews. And I just ask him questions about things he already knows.
0: Yeah. Like we, we try to avoid um, just, just doing the lazy talking points about G5 teams going nowhere deeper than like the head coach and his history um, because those are real football teams and programs with real fans that are deserving of respect. And I, I think that that's, it goes beyond annoying and it's it's downright sinister to me that people do that. It, it just, it, it really bothers me. I don't, I don't it like it. sucks. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I, but here's the thing that I, I really struggle with this question, Pat, is trying to narrow down. Yeah. Cause I honestly think almost everything about like the cultural media is very annoying. Um, like I could, I realized I was just thinking about this and I was trying to think through teams. I was just like going through the conferences in my head. And I could think of something that was like extremely Reddit or a Reddit comment or like a media repeating line. Yeah. They repeat ad nauseum about almost every single college football program. Like I was just thinking you could just pull up a college team and I was thinking like, Oh, that's what they say about them. Almost off the top.
0: Yeah. 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 I, There's, I think that's fair.
1: It's a surface level sport for a lot of people. People just engage with it in the wrong way. Yeah.
0: And <laughs> that, up. that is that, that, that's, that's definitely up there is the, um, there's so much here, right? There's so much to talk about. There's so much interesting, you know, fodder for, for conversation. And it's, it's certainly the just baseline, absolute bare minimum shit that so many people do, um, nationally. And even on local beats, you get a lot of this, um, like larger team beats. It's, it's a lot of that where it just, you know, knowing one thing about a team, even about the your own team that you cover asking the same questions every week, things like that. Um, and it's just, uh, it's very annoying. It's, it's, uh, I I guess we're extra sensitive to it because of how much time we spend thinking about this and how much time we spend, you know, writing about it, researching it, things like that. Um, how much we watch of the game, right? It it just, it feels sort of, uh, it's, you know, hard to engage with because it's so different than what we're doing. But it's also just like, I don't know, man, there's a lot of people who do a lot of work to make this happen. And a lot of players and coaches who deserve way more than being boiled down to one sentence that you read on fucking Reddit. Like that's just try a little harder if you're going to, you know, if you're going to talk about the sport online, just try a little harder. It seems like, for you know and and thankfully our our fan base is I think really really good about this. The people who listen to the show i I really like the way that they talk about football, but you see a lot of these bigger podcasts, a lot of these bigger outlets in general, and it's just like there's a like a baseline lack of respect for their readers and for the people actually playing the game where they just don't there's no effort put into it. They just don't fucking care or try to to even pretend to care.
1: Yeah, and I guess why have to, right? Like, I guess if you already, yeah. if you're from my people who think they have a kind of preset, uh, preset like fan base, then why try any harder? Yeah. Um, kind of sucks, but whatever. It is what it is. Um, we have another question here. Uh, who is this one from? It's from Zach. Uh, Zach.
0: We got three, we got uh, a three parter. We'll just go one by one and, and read it and then answer and then go to the next one. Cool. Um, you go ahead. Yeah, number one here. Uh, first up for programs in areas with growing Hispanic American populations. He mentions UTSA, UTEP, Arizona's Colorado, even Miami. Um, what's the feasibility of encouraging high school Hispanic students in the area to start playing football to create some sort of new market exploit to recruit guys that other schools might overlook? Um, would that have to include some sort of funding stream into those schools for high school football teams? Um, I don't know what that would look like, which makes me think that it's m- probably not feasible. The only thing that really comes to mind to me, because I don't think you can funnel money straight into these schools. I just I don't know that that I don't know that it correlates really. Just feeding money into high school football programs. I don't know if that creates more high school football players. It probably just you know raises salaries. Um, I think a lot of these schools don't really know what to do with it or wouldn't want to. Um, but I, I the thing that I would think is probably Increasing accessibility for recruiting camps at places like UTSA and UTEP, which I'm sure they're already doing. Um, increasing accessibility for game tickets, outreach things like that. Um, you know, making it so that you can. I don't remember what the game was last year, but there was a game last season in the third and fourth quarter where it was looking like they were going to pull an upset, and they opened the doors right, and everybody everybody could just walk in from the gates. It was free. Um, you can't do that every week, obviously, but I think that that that's Really, the only thing that comes to mind for me as as an outreach thing would be just making it more accessible to come watch your games, making it feel like more of a a thing that is significant in the community. I just don't know if it can grow really beyond that. I don't know if if college football programs have the structural power to inspire this kind of uh, this kind of change.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's, in fact, anything any program can do to improve like current football enrollment. Right. It's just like. Football is not growing as a sport right now, it, it only is becoming more ingrained in areas already ingrained in. Yeah. So I, I think the only way that happens is if more Hispanic athletes are moving into areas that already care a lot about football, like if these uh, big giant like mostly white high schools in suburban Arizona, right, like get more Hispanic enrollment, or like if the football powerhouses in uh, Alabama and Louisiana and Georgia and Florida have more Hispanic enrollment, um, maybe that can changes things. But like. You know, obviously there's a massive Hispanic population in Texas and a uh, mass football uh, kind of, what do you want to call it, mentality there. And it really hasn't translated to a ton of Texas uh, prospects coming from Hispanic backgrounds. Yep. It happens, uh, but just not in nearly the numbers, you would say, of, of white or black players, to be honest. Yep. And it, it's just different, right? Like, especially if you're uh, a first generation or second generation immigrant, like you're likely to play. Uh, sports are more popular with your family and football is not that like, I, I just don't think there's any kind of, um, I don't know. I, I think it just would happen kind of by random chance or like overall population growth trends Yeah. and less by like specific, uh, <laughs> I was going to use the word grooming, which was not what I wanted to use <laughs> uh, by football teams, but specific target with football teams, just get yeah. something that'll happen happen over time.
0: Yeah. I, I think that this sort of ties into a, an idea that I have sort of developed in general about, these campaigns that I see in sports all the time, you see this in baseball a lot, in hockey, um, women's basketball, you, you see it all over the place, the idea of growing the game, right? Um, I don't think that any sort of inorganic campaign to grow the game, whatever the game is, is ever going to work. I just, that's not how... That's not how things becoming popular works. That's not how people work. Um, and so I don't think that it could be anything like that where you are actively trying to seek this out. You are trying to grow your team's brand with, it, with a, a certain demographic of people. The thing that does this, if anything does it, And the thing that has, you know, the thing that actually made the NBA blow up in the 90s and, you know, 80s and 90s and into now, the thing that made the NFL so popular when it started, the thing that made college football so popular, all this stuff is... Having good fucking teams, really entertaining, good fucking teams that people in the area go to watch. I, that's that's pretty much it, right? Is the NBA became really popular in the '80s because it was really good. They had a lunch, they had a bunch of really good players who people were interested in. I think that that's Which, the thing is just you need UTSA or UTEP or the Arizonas or Colorado to be uniquely good for a, a span of time in a way that is both, they are good and they are winning games, but they are also
1: interesting and fun to watch. And
0: that's just, you know,
1: it's yeah, a Yeah, but it's like I guess I would say, situation. like obviously teams in Texas or teams in Arizona or Florida have had great runs in the NFL and that hasn't translated to kind of more Hispanic fandom, right? It's kind of just, or California, right? Like yeah. it kind of has been what it has been. Uh, but I, I would say that, I don't know, man, like, the reason basketball blew up too is you could you could watch them on TV, and then it was very cheap. It happened a lot that a lot of cities just started building basketball uh, courts everywhere. Like yeah. the proliferation of basketball courts and how easy it was just go buy a basketball. Yeah, uh, made the sport very accessible in public spaces. Like football is hard to make accessible under any
0: circumstances.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna have like publicly available sets of pads somewhere, right? Like yeah. even if it's seven on seven it needs four. you need 14 guys to to play like the most basic level of football yeah uh instead of you know uh having you could play one-on-one basketball easily develop your skill set yeah um
0: yeah you're gonna need at least you're gonna need one you know one dad who's throwing the lead balls and then you need two kids to play (laughs) football at any time um that's that's you know hard to get together yeah let alone the health
1: scares too right and like the lower chances of money, the lower money overall for almost every position, yeah. like basically everything about football structurally set up that it only appeals populations already popular with forever. Yep. Uh, which I'm sure that won't go back to bite them any point in time. Surely. Uh,
0: number two, could Tony Elliott have some initial success at Virginia because of Brendan Armstrong and good receivers, uh, names Dontavian Wicks and, and Keaton, Keaton Thompson, who I didn't realize Keaton Thompson was still playing college football. That's ridiculous. Um, I remember when he was the next quarterback up at Mississippi State like a decade ago. Um, That's funny. Or is the fact that they can't run the ball for shit going to ruin his weird offense? Um, I certainly would expect a bowl game, right? I just I don't know that it's going to be a whole lot more than that. I, I'd probably seven and five or eight and four uh, okay. because of the limiting factors in the run game and because the defense is going to take a step back. Um, having a good quarterback is going to be enough to get you to a bowl game in the in the ACC, and Brendan Armstrong is good, especially with good receivers, but. I uh yeah, I think the ceiling and the floor are about the same I think it's seven and five or eight and four.
1: Yeah, I mean I think the one thing that could be interesting about it is just how their schedule sets up for early momentum. Like they they should be four and one or five and to start the year. Yeah. Uh I pulled their schedule again. I had this researched earlier. Yeah. Um but like let me let's see. They they start the season uh home against Richmond, uh at Illinois, home against Old Dominion, at Syracuse, at Duke. They should win all five of those games. Yeah. Easily.
0: Yeah. They
1: get Louisville at home, which is winnable Georgia tech on the road, Miami at home, UNC at home, Pitt at home, coastal at home, Virginia tech at home,
0: man. I mean, hell they, yeah. might, they might go 10 and like, two just because they don't play anybody good.
1: Yeah. Like maybe you say their worst case scenario, they pick up a loss to either Louisville or coastal at home, then yeah. lose to Pitt in Miami. Yeah. Uh, but their four hardest games are all at home.
0: Man, that's, Boy, he they did him
1: some favors. Um Yeah, and I mean and, and a team like say what you want about momentum or whatever is a football effect, but like a team picking up confidence because they're winning a lot of games early uh, is a yeah, real that, thing. Yeah, that like, is that real. does matter. Like yeah. that Wake Forest team was better last year because they kept winning. Yeah. Um so if they beat Louisville October eighth, get a bye week beat georgia tech again they're gonna think they can beat miami on halloween weekend at home
0: yeah yeah momentum as a as a tangible thing might not be completely real but buy-in absolutely is and for a for a first year head coach especially like the example i can give just based on you know where i am now look at utah state last year that was not a good football team until like November but they started five and two they got lucky in a couple games and by the time November rolled around they had bought in and they were actually good um that could be the kind of thing that we see here that's that's the importance of having an easy start to the season
1: yeah yeah I agree yeah I agree um okay our third question uh is it crazy to think that Kansas will have multiple big 12 wins this year um
0: I don't think this uh, I don't think it's crazy
1: I think it's a little crazy i don't know and it's not crazy i would say it's a little unlikely i think the line i don't like my line personally for over under on big 12 wins for kansas is one and a half yeah and i probably wouldn't bet it i think they might catch a couple of teams uh because they just have lance leopold yeah but i really i don't know there's a single game on their schedule i would bet them to win in the big 12 which means i don't want to bet them to win multiple
0: yeah, that's fair. It's it's uh, the four that I singled out were West Virginia, Iowa State, TCU, or Texas Tech. Um, I
1: hate Iowa State, and I don't think Kansas would be a game you. Would ever this
0: pick I think this game. Iowa State team is going to be extremely bad. I don't know if we have fully. I mean, they lost all of their players, and they were already not very good. <laughs> like I, I think they're gonna be, I think they're gonna be really, really bad. I don't know that we have fully. Uh, taken in how bad they're going to be. I think they're like outside yeah. of the top 100 in SP plus for the preseason. They're. I don't think they're going to be very good at all.
1: Yeah. Here, The schedule is t- uh, the big 12 schedule. They get uh, West Virginia on the road, September 10th. Uh, That's it's tough.
0: A, that would be one that if they got it at home, I would feel pretty good about.
1: Yeah. Get on the road. They have to play Iowa State at home first week of October. They get TCU at home. Mm-hmm. Um, they get Oklahoma on the road the following week. Baylor on the road the following week. Bye week. Oklahoma State at home. Texas Tech on the road. Texas at home. Kansas State on the road. I mean, Texas at home is an easy one to say, right? That's yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. If you're a if you're a fan of uh, seeing Steve uh, Sarkisian eat shit, that is a that is a great game to pick. Yeah. I don't know. I, w- I would say they get one game. I don't think they get two, but I, I understand why you think they could beat some of these teams. I just think on the net, yeah, uh, the talent quotient is too low right now.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to pick two because I don't think that I'm confident enough in two, but I'm going to say that um, it-, it balances out in general. It-, it-, it all comes out in the wash two, two. I don't know where the two come from, but I think that they get two. Um, so I'm-, I'm a little bit more confident in it, but yeah, I-, I wouldn't bet on any one of these games. I think that it just, you know, it's one of those things where it compounds enough to eventually they manage to get two of them just by virtue of they're in every game. And, and they, you know, outside of like Oklahoma and maybe Oklahoma state and eventually some things go the right way. <clears throat> um, we got another three parter here. We will do it the same way from sixth amendment fan. Uh, first up, I'm going to answer this one very quickly. Uh, Ohio state specific, which cutesy name, Twitter trend gets more annoying. 1st um, not saying Marvin Harrison jr's name, uh, because of his dad or insisting on typing out Coleridge, Bernard, the fourth, which is CJ Stroud's real name. Uh, they're both very annoying.
1: Uh, Yeah. Not a fan. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I don't like to do any of that for any team. I will never be that guy. I've never been that guy. No. Uh, yeah it's just not just not into it i don't like it just post your shitty gif and go yeah uh if you want to be a real dog which or a real tone setter a real bag chaser yeah you need to get into posting you to pick and have dozens of pictures of a super fan of a team in your camera roll
0: okay yeah yeah I, i think that's the two ways to be a fan of a team is is one doing that just posting like you know, a picture of of some guy from a television broadcast in two thousand three who looks crazy, Which is or cool. yeah. or two like tweeting out the exact same kind of clips that the you know your team's writer for the you know whatever local whatever local news outlet uh is going to be tweeting on monday you doing that on sunday you eating his lunch right those are the two ways to be a fan it's like you are the guy who's posting the gifs of a really good pull block from the left guard in the third quarter i think that that's the other way to be um that's right if you're reading this
1: we want you to be trying to take bill landis's job all season (laughs) If you're Bill uh-huh. Landers, try to take oh, Bill Landers' job. I didn't even think of Bill. <laughs> he does do
0: that, but um, th- that's—I mean—it's a fun thing to do. It's—it's it's good to—it's good to do. But uh, yeah, go out and eat those guys' lunch. That's—that's that's what I want. That's that's uh, <laughs> that's the kind of fan that I like. Is a guy who's posting like. Extremely in the weeds stats, and then clips of you know the right tackle from the third. Yeah, corner. like that's, he, he's that's
1: posting like expected passing points added in the red zone. Like, yeah. that's what you need to be yeah. doing.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, Their EPA between the 40 and 20 is fucking atrocious.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. <laughs> um, by the way, this question and these questions, a set of questions came from sixth amendment fan Patrick. Do you know what the sixth amendment is? Oh, god, um, a U.S. history quiz for
0: you. Oh, shit. is that the uh. Shit, no, I don't know it. I I know most of them, but I don't remember that one.
1: Essentially, the right to an attorney, uh, right oh, to representation.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's like the the quick and uh, the the speedy trial, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I'm also a fan of that. Uh, number two, I'm excited to see how long we uh, we have it. Uh, number two, better recruiting strategy. Mike Loxley losing 50% of his blue chips to attrition every year, or Gus Mazan collecting from the island of Misfit Toys, former blue chip castoffs. Um, I think Loxley's like objectively, right? Because... Fifty percent. You're still you still have fifty percent. Uh, none of yeah. Malzahn's guys work. Like all of those guys are fucking losers. There's there's a reason that they're there. He he's Gus Malzahn has has decided to build a program around sheer uh, like recruiting talent with no culture fit at all and no accountability at all. It's not going to work. It's that's not how you build a football program. And Mike Loxley at least kind of has a shot at doing it because some of the guys might stick and not be complete losers and cancers in your locker room
1: yeah it's true uh, getting up to the high school level also means you get more time with them. Yeah. which uh, which is a better shot well, too.
0: Well, and it's it's just better in general for establishing relationships. That if that high school coach then has a recruit later on who you're in, who you're interested in, you have a better shot in. When you're right. recruiting a guy out of Alabama or you know out of Auburn's depth chart every year, you're not establishing a relationship with anybody. And when that kid leaves, you've got nothing out of it. It's just yep. it's, it's worthless. Um, only yeah, I point- mean, Loxley has an NFL
1: QB, made a like, low low draft round NFL QB and an NFL receiver out of this, which is like well, that's Better night. than you, like, Malzahn will ever have at UCF.
0: Re- technically Raheem Jarrett will play in the NFL. He is not an NFL receiver,
1: but <laughs> he will be drafted. Uh, what about uh I don't know, I don't I don't dislike uh oh, never mind, he transferred. Just kidding. Oh, never mind, okay. I'm gonna yeah. just stop before I, I speak. <laughs> uh oh that's anyway. awesome. but uh yeah um, no
0: the, the the Malzahn thing is, is completely it's just wrong. It's just a wrong way to do it. You the the way to operate in the transfer portal is to pick and choose guys who fit into a culture that you have already set. I know I sound like a coach when I say this, but there's a reason that they say this. It's true. It's <laughs> you can't have a locker room with a whole bunch of guys who fucking hate each other. It doesn't work. It's just yeah. It doesn't work. It's there's a reason that they do this it, because it doesn't work, and uh, that's what Gus is doing, and it's not gonna work because he is not. He already can't manage egos that well and he's pulling in a whole bunch of guys who have no connection to each other and no reason to play for each other or get better or do anything like that. Um, it's not gonna work. These are college kids. They have to have a fucking connective tissue and they don't have one there. And Loxley at least kind of does. Loxley has the the you know, the Maryland ethos and he's he's going out and he's not just getting cast offs. He is getting guys who at least have some sort of semblance of connection to each other. It's just that's that's better. Even if it's not good it's it's still it's better than what malzahn is doing what malzahn is doing is it's just it's useless
1: yeah yeah i agree um okay our third question here is general comment on caleb williams making uh walter camp second team over cj stroud uh it's Mm -hmm. definitely stupid because he better but i don't i don't care yeah who cares
0: it's the walter camp (laughs) all american teams who cares (laughs) yeah i it's the heisman doesn't matter this certainly doesn't matter um yeah who cares uh next up from bang um good friend of the show uh what's the hope for a? a, by the
1: way what a fucking writer too
0: Oh, dude, he's he's tremendous. I don't, yeah, yeah. It just if you have not read uh, Bang's stories, I believe it's uh, Kiknirgios on Twitter at, at Kiknirgios. Go go read. His that's stuff. uh, that's
1: K I C K N Y R G I O S.
0: That sounds right. Um, yeah, Northwestern. Uh, I, I guess he's a Northwestern fan. He doesn't like Northwestern, but he's a Northwestern fan. Um, yeah, tremendous, tremendous writer. Uh, he is the
1: me of Northwestern.
0: <laughs> what's the hope for a middle of the road team? Uh, with little to no NIL support who needs at least some legit four-star talent to succeed. Northwestern had four legit four-star guys when they won the West, he clarifies, in 2018, not 2020 because 2020 is Mickey Mouse. Um, And I don't know how they do that now. Am I overreacting? Um, I'm going to leave this one to you because I I think you have a stronger opinion on it than I do. I, I, I agree with you, but I think that you can articulate it better than I can
1: uh yes i think you're overreacting basically like i i mean like our northwestern built like the taj mahal of practice facilities like two years ago uh, i think they'll figure out how to convert booster support and nil and i'm just i'm not worried about it uh like i think i think it'll work itself out if you if you could build that massive fucking facility on the lake in chicago uh, you could eventually figure out how to get a couple NIL deals worked out. Yeah.
0: I, um, I, I'll mention as well, I was just looking at this earlier. Um, we've talked a little bit about how Northwestern has the number 10 class in the country right now. It's not going to stick. They really have you know 20 guys, but um, they have two four-stars in this class already and then another uh, four guys on top of that who are in the top 500. Uh, those guys are not going to flip. They don't usually flip from Northwestern. Um, they are still landing – pretty good players this is about the level of four-star talent that they had on that 2018 team you know it's a it's a four-star defensive lineman borderline top 300 four-star linebacker borderline top 300 um three-star top 500 safety offensive lineman defensive lineman edge rusher like that's that's what they do and they're still doing it um and so i I, that would be my (laughs) my caution against it is like i don't really know that their approach is tangibly impacted because i don't think that they're recruiting guys for whom nil is going to be a big deal anyway
1: yep fair enough i agree uh, um all right in the era of nil what would it take for you to pass uh, for personally to podcast slash blog for a given school would it be cash cars a combo of both from our friend john rothstein yeah uh we're easy to buy i'll, I'll just take the cash
0: i'm already doing this for quotes i'm i'm fucking the quote man for quotes that's <laughs> I, I will do this i don't need anything for it uh just access that's pretty much it um Next up, uh, from the the dreaded Vox slug, who I believe is going as a college football insider, Adam Friedland, on Twitter right
1: now. And by the way, congratulations <laughs> to our good friend, Adam Friedland, that he is now the sole host of the Adam Friedland Show. Yeah, we, uh,
0: uh, we're really excited to see where he takes the Adam Friedland Show. Um, he says, uh, with schools like James Madison, Jacksonville State, and Sam Houston State jumping to the FBS in the near future, how long do you think it'll take... Each of them to become competitive in their new conferences. Uh, And then he says, and is FCS football a dead man walking? Um, On the former, I don't think it's going to take that long. Um, Jacksonville State and Sam Houston State specifically are jumping into a bad league. And so I would assume that they're going to be good pretty quick. Those are good programs, Uh, Sam Houston State more so than Jacksonville State. But I don't really see a thing in the CUSA that makes me think they can't be good from the jump. There's not a program in there that I'm like, oh, I don't know, I don't know how they're going to account for that. Those, you know, those teams are in pretty good locations. I don't have a good, I don't have a reason to think that they won't be good. Um, James Madison, the teams to compare it to in the Sun Belt as an, FB, as an FCS team jumping up would be. You know, App State, Georgia Southern, Coastal, um, and all three of those teams did pretty well in jumping up. It's a harder bout now than it was then, but James Madison's a better program coming out than any of those three were at the time. Um, I think they're going to be good, too. I don't know that they're going to be good this year. I think this might be a 6-6, six and six, but um well-run programs are well-run programs regardless of the level we we sort of talk about this with Lance Leopold right with you know well-run staffs remain well-run staffs no matter the level that they're coaching and i think it's the same program wide you know when you have investment when you have boosters who understand what it takes to win at a high level when you have coaches when you have institutional infrastructure the you know the weight room the indoor facility things like that that doesn't just go away and i think that it, it transfers very very easily i i don't think it jackson I, I don't think james madison or any of the other two are going to have any problems with the uh with the jump up long term i think it'll be within three years that they're pretty good to very good again
1: yeah um i think there's one of these programs i bet against jacksonville state right like i think yeah. they're kind of the odd man I, out I, yeah, with uh, james madison and sam houston state yeah um but yeah. Well, i agree Jenna. It... they're all going to be competitive um we'll see uh i i think i lean towards yes uh the second question about what the fcs's future is my initial gut instinct is like yes it'll eventually collapse just because that's the way market forces are pushing everything in every industry in america from top to bottom right like we're just getting uh the only things that are going to be left are like the mega mon- monolithic, like single top group. And then like the niches that fill in certain smaller areas. And I don't think the FCS would survive that. Yeah. Um, Does it make much sense to me that it would, I, I would defer to Matt Brown on this though. Uh, I don't know if he's written anything on the subject, like a lot of things we're going to get the FCS, like fewer conferences scheduled in FCS games means fewer money going to the league. Uh, it's best teams are leaving. Uh, it, it makes less sense to commit halfway to scholarships. It does all the way into a full team yeah. uh, to get like less. It's uh, basically get no TV shares. Um, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard for me to say like how this works out for them long term. But like, I I don't know. Like I think maybe you see the, the top of the FCS merge with the, t- the bottom of the G five, and the bottom of the FCS go to D two and whatever else below. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, that's, that's basically what I think. I think of it. A lot of the, the FCS programs that take football very seriously, right? The, you know, North Dakota States, but even teams like North Dakota, South Dakota, um, Montana's, yeah, Montana's, Montana, Montana, Montana States, but yeah. even programs below that, right? Like, you know, Illinois state, Northern Iowa, top 25, top 30, even top 40, top 50 programs, programs Duquesne, that are, yeah, yeah. Programs that are investing money in their football program in a significant way, um, I think that you're going to see them combine with the group of five teams who are sort of left behind. I'm guessing that we're going to have a a tier system here coming pretty soon of truly like top-tier teams in some sort of Super League. I don't know if it's going to be formalized like that, but I do think that there's going to be a split of some sort that separates the P5, the upper echelon of the P5, even from the rest of college football. Um, and then I think that there's going to be a very big... G5 FCS contingent, very reminiscent of what we have right now um, where it's full, so- full scholarship, all that stuff, you have you know, haves and have-nots, there's a national title, there's a playoff um, and that's going to be just FBS, just standard FBS. There will be a level above that and then I think there will be a level below that that exists in a weird little vacuum of still FCS, still keeping it alive but only in name because they're not connected in any way and that will be the you know, the HBCU conferences, uh like the SWAC, the MIAC, and then the Ivy League. I think we'll continue to identify as FCS and we'll continue to operate in that way, but will not be connected in any meaningful sense and will just be a, a distinction so that they can stay Division One beyond anything else. But I don't think they're gonna compete anywhere else. Um and then the teams excluded from that, you know, your 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 bottom tier teams that are not really taking it very seriously, um Norfolk State comes to mind, teams like that.
1: Uh, we'll probably Damn. just just drop. This motherfuckers to... hating on Norfolk State in the podcast.
0: <laughs> Teams like that, you know, it's just, just the, the ones that are not... Long Island University. Yeah, yeah, yeah long, the ones that aren't really serious about football just have a team to have it. I think they drop to D two and stop doing scholarships. That would be my guess. So, so F- FCS exists, but in a it, only in a sense that it's a technicality for the Ivy. Uh, you know, the Ivy Leagues for the, the HBCUs to continue to operate as Division One programs without needing to operate on the same level that the teams that jumped up to a true FBS, you know, combination with the G5 programs did. That would be my guess.
1: And hey, This is probably a 20-year process, by the way. This is not yeah, a yeah, next this week is, thing, it's not this a next is, five years thing. It's a long way away.
0: Yeah, for sure. This is going to happen slowly. This is not going to be a thing that just, like one day they come out and announce oh the FCS is uh, disbanding <laughs> and the P5 right. is breaking off like that's it's going to take a while I don't think that this is a, uh, a one year thing really
1: um, it's the way like Amazon in the last 10 years went from like Damn, Amazon's pretty fucking huge. They're like its biggest target to like, oh, they are the largest company on earth.
0: Yeah, it's like the place where you buy everything. That's, that's, yeah, I think that that's a fair comparison. Um, all right, next up from Jake. Uh, which first year, first time head coaches, i.e., not Lincoln Riley, Jerry Kill, Mike McIntyre, there's several others, um, has the highest expectations slash ceiling for, I'm assuming he means either for this season or in general. Um, I think the answer is about the same. Uh, for me, it's Marcus Freeman for highest expectations and probably highest ceiling, uh, very, very close with Brent Venables at Oklahoma. I think it's it's functionally the same. I really can't split the two. I think Venables is probably going to do better, I guess. I don't know that I feel great about that. Um, I guess Oklahoma has a higher ceiling by virtue of not being in Indiana and being in the SEC, but um, I don't know that I feel great about either one long term. Uh, and then Highest chances of actual success, John Sumrall and Rhett Lashley at uh, Troy and SMU, respectively, I think are going to be the guys who either parlay this into larger jobs or just do really, really well at these schools for a long time.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think the expectations question, I'm pretty much with you. Like, Freeman and Venables are pretty much neck and neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the way Freeman's recruited in the first, like, six months of the job means expectations are now higher for him. I think they're probably about the same with Venables whenever he took it over. Yeah. Um, but I mean... In terms of uh, sh- ceiling, I think short-term, the highest ceiling is Brent Venables, uh, that Oklahoma schedule. They get Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Baylor, which are arguably the three toughest opponents, I, I think maybe inarguably, yeah. uh, at home, uh, and spread out throughout the season. They're never back-to-back. Um, they should win a lot of games, unless there's something about them just like absolutely fucking awful. Like They had a lot of receiver transfers out. Yeah. If that just kills their offense or something, then, like, i jeff levy doesn't give a fuck who's a receiver they're all the same yeah. guy to him right yeah. so like uh i think they should win a lot of games um but long term they're just not gonna be competitive in the sec they're not that good of a program it's not gonna work that way for them yeah uh so i guess give me the long-term upside on ret lashley at smu uh they're the big dog in the aac next year when houston ucf Saturday are gone and he'll win enough games to jump to a big job maybe venable's job uh <laughs> if it works out that way yeah um he he could eventually get something better. I think we'll get something better. Um Freeman this year, by the way, short-term expectations for Marcus Freeman. Uh we talked about Notre Dame a little bit already, but like getting Ohio State, BYU, Clemson, and uh, uh USC, two of those games on the road in the same season is uh it's only yeah. one of those games at their home stadium, I should say, man, um,
0: that's brutal. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, <laughs>
1: that's not what you want. Like, and, if, no. and if they go nine and three, that's, which is very reasonable to win one of those four games is I think fairly standard. Yeah. That's a disappointing year.
0: Yeah. Which is uh, fair or not. Yeah. um, What's the future big 12 conference matchup. You're most excited about the culture clash of West Virginia and BYU should be fun. This is from our show. This is from our friend, Ben. Um, I've got two pretty, I think pretty self-explanatory West Virginia, Cincinnati and Baylor Houston. Um, just West Virginia, Cincinnati is awesome. I love that game in the big East. I'm glad that it's coming back. Um, I like regional rivalries like that. I think it's one that can really develop into being a rivalry. Uh, and then Baylor Houston for pretty much the same reason, just, you know, pretty close proximity. Um, two very different programs culturally and, and in terms of style, but I think that it's a, a great clash of of styles and I think it's gonna be a consistently very, very good game. I would slot that in honestly as the new probably the new, like, best rivalry in the league. At least I would think. I I think Baylor Houston's going to be consistently deciding the you know one of the teams in the championship game i think whoever wins that is going to consistently come out of the 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 league and um kind of like the new version of baylor tcu um i think that's going to be really good
1: yeah i think that'd be really fun um I wonder if TCU sees a resurgence in this league, by the way. That, that's interesting to think about. But yeah. anyway, I, we'll talk about that later there's on. There's certainly more the energy there. Yeah, uh, more energy there right now uh, than there was. After my interactions online this week with Texas Tech fans, I'm just looking forward to anyone being the shit out of Texas Tech. Yeah. They're evil little locusts who are just buzzing around me. Um they uh look, they've been the worst in state team in every conference they've ever been in, and I think they're gonna keep doing that.
0: Yeah. The uh the the little worm uh, beat writer who said that they're building the most athletic uh, recruiting class in the country um uh, <laughs> just stop just stop man just have a little bit more respect for your readers i know that they're big time dumb dumbs but they're give them a little bit more credit than that saying that they have the most fucking athletic recruiting class in the country come
1: on they're gonna sign a barely top 30 class it's all said and done uh they're gonna win like six games this year yeah And all the shine will be off by next season.
0: It's so easy to do recruiting coverage in Texas because every three star who commits to your bad program, you can just say is like an un you know he's he's an under recruited gem right this is a this is a diamond in the rough he's a track guy he's a great athlete you know oh yeah and you can do it for any format too right like you can
1: say like if he's from a small school you can say he's under recruited because he's from a small school if he went to a big school you can say well he came from a great football program like obviously knows how to win yeah Uh, you know if he comes from a rural school you can say that he was looked over he comes from an urban school you can say he has an edge to him yeah. you can do whatever fucking like the whole thing you want to do it's super fucking easy
0: yeah yeah i, I always love the uh the you know they're pulling him from uh from like KD or something and like well he's already been in a college weight program it's going to be the same thing for him and it's like no it's not yeah <laughs> no, nope. it's not. no it's not <laughs> no it's not they make you the fucking food there at college it's different um <laughs> but no. uh yeah all uh all fair and also if you're a texas tech beat writer uh, recruiting writer listening to this, uh, give a little bit more respect to your readers. Cause it's just, it's insulting. If I was a it Texas also suck th- me off. Yeah. If I was a Texas tech fan <laughs> reading that I would be insulted cause it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. It, it, patently absurd. Um, throw throat, throat, me. throat yeah. me. Next up from Sean. Uh, can I have a couple of reasons why this year will be Kansas state's once per decade, 11 win season. And also a couple of reasons why I should pump the brakes. Um, I'll go first. Uh, I think in favor, there are a couple things. Deuce Vaughn, obviously, probably chief among them. Very, very good. Legitimately very good. One of the best players in college football. Um, The defensive front seven is excellent. I think the line's going to be really good. Linebackers are really good. And then Chris Kleiman, who we like, I think is good. Uh, Not amazing, but good. He wins games. He he adds a win or two to your roster. Um, Against is Adrian Martinez in the passing game. I just... I don't like any part of that. I don't think he's very good. I don't think his receivers are very good. Uh, They also have new guys up front on the offensive line. And then the secondary, I have some questions about um, getting to 11 is a lot to ask. You'd you'd have to beat. Yeah, they're not going to do it. Yeah. You'd have to beat South Dakota, Missouri, Tulane, Texas tech, Iowa state on the road at TCU, Oklahoma state at home, Texas at home at West Virginia, and then Kansas at home. Um, They're not going to, they're not going to do that.
1: <laughs> just, there's, there's two teams in the schedule. Are just not, they're just not winning. They're not beating Oklahoma or Baylor on the road. Yeah. Flat out, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. They might catch Oklahoma State at home. They might catch Texas at home. They might catch, uh, eh, like, Mizzou is a tough game for them. I think they have, like, they have three or four, maybe five other their games they could lose. They would have to go basically perfect in those and win all their winnable games yeah. and then win their bowl game too as like an NY6 bowl to go 11 wins. Yeah, They're going to have a good season. I think they might win eight or nine games. And and Chris Kleiman's like, he's going to get a top 12 quarterback too. It looks like they're going to land that kid in state Avery Johnson. Yeah. This is a damn good year and he's clearly building something here, but um, no shot at 11 wins.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the thing is like just from those games, Missouri at home, Texas Tech at home, at Iowa State, at TCU, Oklahoma State at home, Texas at home, at West Virginia. That is, and then also Kansas at home, that is so hard to win all of those games, right? Even if they should be favored in almost all of them, and you know, it's good to get Oklahoma State and Texas at home, but... It's just really hard to win all of those games. It's a drag. It's just yeah. you—you're going to slip up at some point because you have Adrian Martinez at quarterback, and as as competent as he can be, he has a a you know game where he blows his brains out in the first quarter every year, and you don't know when that's going to happen, and it's not going to happen against Oklahoma or Baylor. It doesn't. By the matter. way, really
1: quick here. Sorry, sorry, Patrick. I keep away with money on the podcast here, but just two free win totals in the Big Twelve if yeah. you guys want to make free money right yeah. now. Uh, Baylor over-under is currently seven and a half. Come on. <laughs> and the Kansas State over-under is currently six and a half. Jesus
0: Christ. What are we doing? This isn't even G5. Oh my God. Yeah, I don't know how you'd even get to six with these guys. Like, that doesn't seem... <laughs> It'd be really fucking hard for them to get to six. They would have to lose all of those games that I just mentioned. Yeah. That doesn't seem
1: likely either. Yeah. They I... must think Adrian Martinez is the fucking worst quarter. Like, if you just think Adrian Martinez is like a, is a apocalyptic loser (laughs) then i guess i get this but that's uh that's pretty much gotta be it yeah like he's gonna shit his pants in one of
0: these games because he always does but um nine and three eight and four nine and three legitimately be very happy with that be very happy with the future that is being built here i think that there's plenty of things to be very encouraged about moving forward with kansas state i just 11 feels like a lot i don't know if they're going to do that anymore um maybe in the new big 12 but i I don't know if climate is built the same way that, that Snyder was in terms of going all in to build one really great team every four years. I think you're going to get more of like a lot of eight and four and nine and three.
1: Uh, yeah, which is, which is damn good, right? Like they can be like, it's a fine existence, actually good Iowa state.
0: Yeah. Next up. Um, this is from the (laughs) simplify podcast pit podcast, uh, friends of
1: the show. Uh, so so if just, you're a Pitt fan, let's listen to the Simplify podcast. Yeah. If you're a uh, West Virginia fan or a Penn State fan, to this. listen to the Simplify podcast. That's right. Uh, who is the number
0: one team that pulls off a big upset with peak Reddit vibes? So I've I narrowed down a couple contenders here. Uh, Michigan State hosts Ohio State on October 8th. South Carolina hosts Georgia on September 17th. And Mississippi State hosts Texas A&M on October 1st. Um, I think it's South Carolina i think south carolina is going to end up upsetting georgia and it's going to be a huge fucking thing um we're going to talk about south carolina in a second but that feels to me like the one that people would really hone in on and and really pump up is like oh my god shane beamer's got him going with spencer rattler and then they'd you know fall off a cliff the next week or something um that one that one makes sense to me
1: i uh I was starting to think about this. I just got too pissed off. Imagine they comments <laughs> again, so I I couldn't I couldn't answer it. Uh I think it's probably Clemson losing to like Wake or N C State, but I don't know. It just annoyed me too much. They'll treat that like a, an upset, which will piss me off too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wake um, Wake and NC State are I was I'll say for the record, maybe you disagree with this, uh better than Clemson is. They are better football Yeah, players. of course they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like objectively, they are better football teams. I uh, just I don't think Clemson's very good. Um so yeah, I, I uh, I'm going with South Carolina over Georgia. I think any of the three I mentioned would make sense. I don't think Ohio State's going to lose to Michigan State, but um, that sure would be fodder for some of the most annoying posts of all time. Um, also,
1: I mean, I would be, make some fucking truly yeah in both evil yeah tr- truly in both directions would create some of the worst posts of all time. <laughs> Just awful. <laughs> if you thought I was bad after the Michigan game,
0: oh my God, Ryan Day getting his his uh, his, his lunch eaten by Mel Tucker, oh. <laughs> Oh man! Um, all right. Next up, staying in the uh, the Michigan area from Joe. Did COVID save Jim Harbaugh's job? Um, no, I think it uh, actually almost cost him his job. I think in a in a normal year with non-conference games, they probably don't go. You know, the the I guess the version of that of going two and four in a full season would be going four and eight. I don't think they go four and eight if they don't play the six games that they played exclusively. Um, I I don't think that it I don't think it had any benefit to him. It was just you know, if anything, it hindered him. Uh, it made made that team look a lot worse than it probably actually was.
1: COVID didn't impact any sports teams' uh, season in the slightest. Uh, you're a baby if you think this. <laughs> <laughs> Good the, or bad, it does not matter.
0: The the programs who fired their coaches after COVID year, very very funny, very funny setup. Or hired a coach because of a COVID year. What are you doing? What are you people doing? <laughs> Played six games. Come on. Grow up. Um next one here do you think speaking of uh, Shane Beamer this is from Drew do you think Shane Beamer is the most loved unproven coach by media uh, there's a lot there's a lot of
1: candidates on that list he does a part- you know you know my I have a long list Shane Beamer has to work to make it on this list like he, first uh, year guys you're not even on my radar yet you, he, you don't even get him near me like Shane Beamer is technically a second year guy but he does a, he guy, does a yeah, podcast whatever. appearance
0: every three hours the game the Gamecock preseason hype is in full swing for a team that's just not all that great i I do agree with that. It has a brutal schedule ahead. Um, I was actually, I was talking to Drew about this in uh, in a group chat earlier today. I think that... Hmm, I guess I wasn't invited to it. Interesting. I don't think you'd want to be in there. Um, <laughs> I think it would make you mad. Um, but uh, I think that Shane Beamer is sort of, he's he's cut from he's a different guy but he's cut from the same cloth as Will Muschamp where he's very very charming with the people that he needs to be charming with to keep his job Um, and ultimately that is a skill for coaches and that is why he is how he is and why people are so excited about him. Um, and so there are a lot of coaches like that. And so I don't know if he's the most loved because a lot of coaches are very good at that. Um, go to sports com and search Billy Napier. And there are a whole lot of examples about that. Um, like I talked about, <laughs> although with, Bill, but,
1: Billy has committed the fatal sin of not recruiting well, which is now, uh, he's done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: He's, he's, uh, he, you know, from the highs of, uh, saying that he has paid attention to the stripes on the uniforms to the lows of not landing any good players. Um, who the guy could've... who
1: was like tweeting about how many like how many new gator logos there were like on the stuff around the, the practice field or whatever it's like <laughs> evidence that napier was uh a detail oriented uh, or whatever yeah. like there wasn't just some like 19 year old intern who was responsible for that I got sticker happy at the printer that's awesome uh killed me.
0: That's so good. Yeah. Um yeah, he's uh, I I can't wait for him to come back from vacation and see what has happened this week. Um but uh yeah, I, th- I think there are a lot of coaches like this. There are a lot of guys who really know how to play it well um and uh, deservedly or not get a lot of attention for it. Uh Beamer is just the next iteration of that. I do think that he is generally pretty well suited to be a college football coach in the modern era because he is charming. He is, he is able to, he's affable and, and able to sort of generate hype for his program undeservedly. Um, and two, and this is the thing that separates him from Champ, he doesn't believe in anything. He is not wedded to any football ideas because he doesn't fucking know what he's doing. He's a special teams coordinator. He has no football opinions. And that's a positive. That's, that's fine as a head coach if you can hire good coordinators. Um, Just staying out of the way, not doing anything is as good a thing as you can do as a head coach. It it, it is, you know unless you were an elite-level play caller, not knowing anything about football is extremely beneficial for a head coach. And, so, and guess
1: what? If you're an elite-level play caller, you might have a blind spot and never learn it because you're already like good enough that you'll win games. Like, yeah. Like, Ryan Day will never get better at run scheme or like red zone offense because he already thinks and everyone tells him he's elite, so he'll never try to learn anything new.
0: Yeah, yeah. which they pretty much said exclusively after the Rose Bowl. It's like, well, we were top five in running games, so we don't need to change anything. So, you know, well you watched your team
1: play um but yeah. uh yeah you think nick saban stopped trying to get better at defense no uh, yeah it seems like it yeah anyway i'm like i'm not getting the same no, right but sorry um, honestly, i got i got wound up yeah but uh, but
0: shane beamer i think is is well suited to succeed long term as a football coach in the modern era i don't think he's going to do it at south carolina if he is smart he will take a different job as soon as he can um i i think that that i don't know that he would take this it might be. Too daunting, but um, he would be a great fit at Georgia Tech. He would be an extremely, extremely good. Yeah, fit but why no,
1: you would never leave South Carolina for Georgia Tech?
0: I think you should. It's a better job. Um, That's South, fucking crazy. South dude. Carolina a is a job. South Carolina is
1: a nightmare. That's a nightmare job. It doesn't matter if it's a nightmare because everyone knows the nightmare. So if you win seven or eight games, there you can get a better job. Georgia Tech is a fucking nightmare so that's never been a successful program never will be it's a loser ass program what? in their souls why can't it be you're in the acc there's nothing there, there is a fundamental rot in the soul of georgia tech that makes them losers is these there... guys are born losers I... everyone who plays or coaches except kelvin johnson is a born loser
0: also the guy who won nine games for a decade but whatever um yeah, i don't south carolina is the same way <laughs> they don't do anything there they don't produce anything positive it's just they...
1: that's true but you get more money for coaching there
0: i guess i mean i don't i think that honestly i think you could build something more sustainable long term at georgia tech than you can at south carolina i don't think that anything can last at south carolina those the, but he's not trying to be there long term the soil is fucking rotten it's bad um i guess you could go to auburn that would probably be uh, you take yeah. you certainly take auburn over, over georgia tech but if auburn for whatever reason doesn't want Shane Beamer I would if I'm him. I mean Kentucky was
1: rotten until it wasn't. Yeah. Uh,
0: South Carolina Kentucky also doesn't have Clemson in its own state. Clemson
1: might not be Clemson that much longer. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, All right. You know, who you know, guys who who can't parlay their preseason hype into uh, into raining love by their fans. Yeah. It's fucking Patrick Mayhorn, my co-host of this <laughs> podcast. Patrick, your good friend Bill DiFilippo yeah. came here with an absolute broadside at your football credibility. Yeah. Bill DM me personally to say he's worried about your ball knowledge. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The question. The question. Here, yeah. Go, the, the question. I'll read here, it. I'll, okay. You're sure. on the stand. I'll read this. Yeah. Without trying to dunk on Patrick, he was trying to dunk on Patrick. He failed, yeah. Uh, Patrick, <laughs> <laughs> what led you to believe this the time, and what has gone wrong since? Let me read the quote first. Yeah. Patrick tweeted uh, at some point in 2021, I think April 2021. That's correct. I am getting dangerously close to unironically believing that Indiana under Tom Allen could consistently be number two in the Big Ten East. Someone please pull me back from the abyss. They did
0: they pulled one
1: on to ask, uh, what led you lose the time? and What has gone wrong since they may now be lucky to win five games this season slash have a coach that may get two or three more years before he's not Yeah. So, um,
0: I, there are a couple things here. I'm going to start with the, the biggest of them, which is that we were coming off of the 2020 season, which confirmed for me, quite a few opinions that I had about the coaches at Penn state, Michigan and Michigan state, um, which are the main contenders for that second spot, usually in the big 10 East. Um, I this was so much more about I thought and still think about Penn State and Michigan State that those coaching staffs are at their core incompetent. I do not believe in those coaching staffs even a little bit in their long-term ability to build those programs in the modern, you know, world of college football. Michigan I I I don't have a great reason to doubt at this point and that was sort of the the hinge point and and what has has turned this into to completely wrong other than just mostly wrong um but i don't believe in michigan state or penn state as football programs i do not think that they are built to last in their current iteration and i was betting as much on their downfall as i was on indiana's rise um and they that there was a lack of competence at those jobs that through his first couple years tom allen had at least shown flashes of um the Nick Sheridan hire has ultimately ruined that and the the hires that followed but at the time 2021 April 2021 Indiana was entering a season with you know returning one of the better quarterbacks in the conference from 2020 a large chunk of their defense a large chunk of the offense in general um and I was looking around at the other teams in the Big 10 East and I did not see much in the way of competence um Ultimately, obviously, Tom Allen is not the coach that uh, that he sort of looked like for a minute. He is a, a good, old boy, good old boy who hires good old boy coaches, um, but this was significantly more a reflection that I thought that the Big Ten East was going to be down for a significant period of time while a couple of its top programs were lost in the dark trying to find their way in the new era of college football, unless that... Indiana was building something excellent. I just thought that eight and four with, you know, uh, seven and two or six and three in the, in the division would be enough to be number two consistently. It it was not so much an endorsement of Indiana as it was a um, uh, condemnation of the other programs in the big 10 East, which I do still have my questions about. And I do still think are going to be generally on the downturn for the next, however many years they have these coaches. Um, I don't believe in James Franklin or Mel Tucker at all. uh, But, Obviously, Michigan has has re, uh, re you know taken command back of that spot, uh, and uh, you know Indiana has fallen back behind with some bad hires and and has really suffered from the margins being so small there. But um, that's my answer is that I don't like the coaches at Michigan State or Penn State, and I assume that they would continue to fall off in a way that they just haven't yet. I still think they will, but they haven't yet.
1: I just want to point out that I did try to warn you about this every point in turn.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: That's, I think, I think your problem here is that, you know, too much G five ball and you think things can change the P five level the way they can not <laughs> the G five level. I and had too much
0: hope. Yeah.
1: There is simply just a hierarchy and an Indiana fan, like even in their day in the sun, their one best year ever, will just never come to be again. Um, yeah. And I'm sorry to say that like, indiana's not like in a conference where like it's in the conference where things probably change the least ever yeah right like you just gotta just gotta change leagues like <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think that that's i think you're, that's what you're it taking comes... the money uh you're basically taking the money to like stay there forever and keep being rich and fuel your other programs which if you're an native basketball fan is worth it like if you care about basketball team like almost all these guys do then you should get a coach just stays there forever and a relatively cheap deal and uh, fuel your basketball team's success. That should be fine for you. Yeah. Be happy about that. Yeah. But don't ever think it's going to be like, you might get more, get more than one or two lucky seasons in your lifetime
0: yeah i think that that's really what it comes down to the uh the g5 the g5 point is fair which is at the g5 level um good moves are rewarded and bad ones are punished and that does not happen at the power five level you there is no punishment yeah, the margins are bigger yeah there yeah. is no punishment for hiring a bad coach or for being a bad Well, that's, I mean, that's or, not true
1: like i think there's clearly been punishment for florida state right there's been punishment for texas yeah, but, for many years like and you and can we, still fuck it up but like you'll be able to come back if you stop yeah, fucking up. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing is,
0: is that these programs, they can fuck it up, they can fuck it up for as long as they want, right? Like, Penn State could be, you know, if it uh, continues to just roll with fucking Sean Clifford at quarterback for the next 10 years, um, could go seven and five for the next decade, right? And, and not realize that it needs to change its course until eight years from now or something, or Michigan state could keep taking transfers and realizing that they're going to get diminishing returns every year until they're going three and nine. Um, They could do that. But as soon as they make a new hire or they, they they hit on somebody good, which is very easy to do at these schools because you have so many fucking options on the table. You just have to do it. You just have to be smart about it. Um, They can jump right back up. It's very easy for them to do. Whereas, in that time, in that vacuum, you might have Indiana going seven and one in 2020, right? And you might have signs that they are growing something. They might bring in assistants who you're interested in. Uh, Dylan McCullough comes to mind, comes to mind specifically, uh, recruits who you're interested in, coaches in some cases like Charlton Warren, who you're interested in. But then as soon as those other programs who are predetermined to be at the top wake up, um, all of the mistakes that these smaller programs make, which they will make, they always do. There's no perfect program except for uh, Baylor, um, but uh, that will all catch up to them in a way that will immediately collapse any sort of progress that they had. Uh, which is sort of just that's a P5 specific issue, and I think that that's where I was uh, where I was wrong. yes yeah. assuming you, you that...
1: have to walk the tightrope for several years in a row to change your perception. Yeah, right. And, like
0: and even then, it's the, it, you're still. I mean you've you've turned the tightrope into a like a wood plank right it's it's still not you have very little security relative to like what ohio state or michigan or michigan state or penn state
1: experiences um i think at specifically a, at a it's schools like, like indiana a handful of others yes like they probably have like indiana maryland or Rutgers are probably the most like fucked teams in, in like all of college football right yeah. like yeah every team in the sec west um like yes alabama and lsu are perennial they're always going to be there but like the rest of you are proximate with the talent like if one of those two yeah. schools fucks up you can be number two and maybe even number one for a stretch if you get really lucky like for a couple years uh indiana like the odds of like three blue bloods and michigan state all being down at the same time yeah and you get enough talent to be able to beat them for like two or three years in a row based on being in indiana it's just like it's impossible. If you're Rutgers, yeah. never going to happen. If you're Maryland, it's never going to happen. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. The, the talent margins in the big 10 are so much wider than they are even in the sec. Right. Because the sec, there's just, there's a higher baseline of talent. It's very hard to not have a talented roster in the sec. Cause
1: yeah, you're, you got NFL guys. Yeah. Like, and they, of course we have it in the big 10 too, but like there's less of them. It's different. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's fewer of them and they're at different positions. And like, if you have a third round guard on your team, like the way that changes for you versus having like a second round receiver, is is tough.
0: Yeah, the the baseline in the SEC, talent wise, is such that if you are Ole Miss and you go out and you have you know you land a a very good quarterback, you have a good quarterback come in, um, there could be a year where the talent around the quarterback is good enough that LSU being down, Auburn being down. Um, you know, whoever else being down, it it could, you know, Texas A&M maybe still fucking around. Uh, there's a very good chance that you have the talent needed to compete with everybody except for like Alabama, and you can finish second in the division because the talent differences are, they're there, but they're not as significant and can be made up with a, a supremely talented quarterback or something like that. Whereas at Indiana, you're not even close you know it's not even close it's the the uh, talent baseline at Indiana at Rutgers at Maryland um because of the places that they can recruit is just so much lower than the, the the ones that you can get at Ohio state and Michigan and Penn state and Michigan state. Um, and so even having a generational for your program quarterback and, and having down years for those programs, there are so many things that need to go your way to have that work and to do it twice in a row is basically impossible. And, and so, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. All of these programs are, are as it's currently structured, just, there's no possible growth out of what it is because you need to string together wins to grow. And there's no way to do that because those four programs are just not all going to be down at once
1: very often. Yeah. you got to hope for the pod system coming around. Yeah. Um,
0: (laughs) Well, and and even, even then, like if all of four, you know, if, if uh, you have three or two of those programs down in a year, like I don't think that these Michigan state or Penn state teams, these last year were really all that good, but your margins are such at these programs where your baseline is so low that if you make a bad hire, you know, your coordinator's not top tier, your coaches aren't top tier, whatever it is, you're still fucked. You could have a good quarterback. I think Michael Penix is a good quarterback, but it's, uh, you have to be perfect in a way that even, you know, SEC. By the way, I did not think he was good. I just, I just, he's fine. Uh, but I, I, you have to be perfect in a way that you just don't have to be at the, ta- the places that have a higher baseline of talent and, you know, even at the lower level programs, um, that just doesn't exist in the Big Ten. There's no depth of talent in this in this area in the way that you have yeah. in in Georgia, and Florida, Texas, and those areas.
1: Yeah, the Big Ten is an absolute monarchy. Uh, the SEC is a constitutional monarchy. That's that's the difference. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. And uh, and <laughs> Hugh Freeze is Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> we're hearing that more and more. Um, all
0: right. I think that's all we have. Hopefully I have, uh,
1: yeah, we just podcasted for three hours straight. I'm, I'm, uh,
0: (laughs) hopefully I have cleared my name. Um, I'm going to go
1: eat a big ice cream and go to bed. We love
0: that. All right. Uh, we will catch you guys next week with just the one episode, probably not going to do two next
1: week, but I think we're doing a conference preview. Are we up for the American conference preview?
0: That sounds right. Um, again, thank you all very much for your good questions. We, we really do appreciate it. You guys came through big time this week. Um, Thank you for your five-star reviews, which I'm assuming you've done, uh, and for sharing the show on Twitter with your friends. Uh, We're at Field Flipping. I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. Ryan is at B1G underscore Ryan. Um, I think that's all we got. We will talk to you guys next week.
1: Go Bucks.